Welcome to episode 172 of the Whatnots Review Show, where every week we pick a story and we talk about it. This could be a movie, TV series, anime, manga, comic book, audio drama, all kinds of entertainment. We watch it, read it, listen to it, and then we come back here and we discuss it. My name is Melissa Wilkinson, and I am joined as always by my co-captain Kyle Springer. I had cookies for breakfast, like a real adult. You, you yeah, did. Feels great. Feels great. I feel like that's an that truly is an extra adult thing to do because a kid wants to eat cookies for breakfast, but they can't manage it. They're not allowed. Like an adult, you still want to, and you can. I think it's do one of the most make... mature actions you can take. Do, 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 do they still make cookie crisps? They're like hey, probably. Let's make cereal out of small chocolate chip cookies because <laughs> well, that was small genius. waffles small toasts yeah, yeah. mini yeah. breakfast cereals are small things indeed yeah i uh d- didn't really have time to eat all all that much so i will eat a big ginormous lunch after this and it is going to be glorious and i hope it expands <laughs> exponentially uh whenever i look at it <laughs> yeah your stomach develops a, a dark yeah. deep spiral staircase <laughs> yeah exactly exactly melissa it is the end of the month it's our end of the mm-hmm. month special uh we do these as the title kind of implies at the end of the month though that is not really officially the title we, we we don't have an actual title for what these are exactly yeah but we do them at the end of the month and they're special episodes so here they we are, are. <laughs> um this month however uh what so what we n- n- normally do at the end of mm. th- these months is we'll Pick some kind of comic book or TV show or something that is longer that we cannot cover yeah. in a single week. Because uh, mm-hmm. usually from week to week, we only watch a single movie or one season of a show or one or two volumes of a comic. Um, but with these end of the month specials, we'll pick something and stick with it ac- across a number of months until we com- complete it. So we've watched yep. things like Mr. Robot. We've read comics like Irredeemable. We've done all sorts of stuff. But this time, we decided to do something wild and crazy. We decided on our book club style podcast that we would read an actual book. Which we've not done before. We've yeah, read many read graphic book. novels. <laughs> Sometimes they've had prose sections in them, like Strangers in Paradise or Transformers, Transformers. The Wreckers Saga. We yeah. got to read a Transformers short story once, and that was a real treat. But I thought, let's read a full prose novel. Yeah. So what book are we talking about this month? We read The Hefty and Mysterious House of Leaves by Mark Z. Danielewski. I believe this is published in 2000 or 2001. Yeah. Yes, I mean, we we had talked about it and we were like, you know, we should try doing a novel on there. I don't see why we can't. Um, But it was just never something that we were like really going after. So yeah. we were like, let's just try it. Let's just 
do it. Do a book on an actual book club <laughs> podcast. You know, who who g- brand new idea? No one's ever done that before. Before <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll be the first ones. Um, and yeah, we kind of decided. Well, if we're gonna do a book, let's kind of go all, 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 all out. Let's not just do like a Star Wars novel or something like that. Let's do something that's a little bit more out there. Uh, yeah, this is truly yeah, came up with this a, a book. <laughs> I'd heard about the premise of the book. I knew that it was about a family who moved into a house that was physically impossible, and that the book had oddly arranged text and a lot of footnotes. And I looked up the Wikipedia article. I sent it to you, and I said, "This is my pitch for the book we're going to read. I think this looks really interesting, but this also looks really complicated." This is a lot of book. Do you want to do this one? And you accepted the challenge. You know, we're yeah. breaking down the door with this one. We are going hard on book because truly this could not be anything else. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I I wasn't exactly sure what we were getting into uh, with, when we picked this up. I had never heard of this before. Uh, finally. F- f- Funny enough, uh, we've covered in anime by a similar name has nothing to do with this. Uh, But this is not to be confused with House of Five Leaves. So just throwing that out there. We've covered that on the review show as well earlier on. I don't remember what number. Let me look it up here. Episode 18. Wow, we're a hundred. Yeah, a long time ago. Episodes, yeah, long time ago. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm really excited to talk about this one and dive in with this. Uh, d- d- yeah, complicated book, not for the faint of heart. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed yeah. it a lot. I'm it, glad it was really fascinating. I think it was a, a just a a mix of everything really like Mm. there's books out there that spend a hundred pages describing a single button that's on someone's shirt (laughs) or something like that right this book always felt like it was changing itself uh that it was keeping it fresh there was always something Mm. new they were always exploring some new concept or something like that so it never got boring and it n- never just felt like it was dragging at, at least to me um and yeah i i the, i really enjoyed this i think the book is often described as a horror uh and it definitely is i think the horror is it's not like Oh, there's zombies and werewolf. It it is this more like impossibility that this this yeah. existential. It's like what do you do when confronted by infinite darkness, uh, mm-hmm. and and that's it. So it it is, it, it is, I think, more palatable to uh, like people who might not be into horror. Uh, but there yeah. are definitely some very cr- creepy moments uh, and s- stuff like that. But I, th- I think there's also enough in there where there are funny moments. There are yeah. things that 
are just like more academic journal like text and 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 stuff like that so it's it's an interesting book and i'm glad we picked this one yeah it's got a lot in it and the story winds up being very sweet oh like it's often also described as a love story and it is yeah it is a love story and a horror story and an academic discourse (laughs) exactly exactly a fake (laughs) one but also a real one kind of (laughs) okay so the story of the book is a uh, synopsis yeah let's let's synopse the plot and then let's talk about the structure of it around that because you kind of like there's two angles you could use to approach this book Uh, a man named will navidson who is a pulitzer prize winning photojournalist him and his uh partner karen and their two kids are moving out of new york city they want to settle down will and karen think you know we've been in this relationship for a long time are we going to get married we don't know they move into this uh, older farmhouse in Virginia, Kyle, your own home state. Hey, I'm in <laughs> Richmond, Virginia, where they said approximately the house in the setting be. of the book. Yeah. Yes, so yes. you know, <laughs> next door, right down the street. Right. <laughs> Look out for mysterious doorways in your own home. They move into this house, and they find they're gone for a weekend. They come back. There's a closet there that was not in the house before. There's like a little closet leading from their room to the kids' room. And they're like, well, what happened? It's not like somebody broke in here and constructed a closet. And they're <laughs> pouring over the blueprints. Was this always here? Was this hidden? And when he's pouring over the blueprints and comparing them to the house, Will Navidson realizes the house is bigger on the inside than it is on the outside, which is impossible. And then it gets more impossible when another door opens up in their house that leads into this massive pitch black series of rooms and corridors and chambers and staircases seemingly endlessly. Yeah. Again, physically impossible. (laughs) And it's about him investigating and exploring these new spaces of the house and documenting everything. He's a photojournalist. He is filming everything. There's cameras set up all over the house. And it's about him and the people he brings into his life to try and figure this out. Okay. And then within the book, supposedly all of that footage had been edited into a documentary called The Navidson Record that had been released by Miramax. And all of these, it it became this real sensation. People were writing books about it. People were writing articles about it. And this man named Zampano was collecting all of that and writing a book about the Navidson record and about the academic discussion around the Navidson record. And he dies before he's able to finish this manuscript. And then his neighbor, like, is helping to clean out his place or whatever. And his neighbor calls his friend Johnny Truant. And he's like, Johnny, come over here. Get a load of this. Johnny Truant is this, like, 20 you know, young 20-something kind of L.A. punk guy just goes from, like, parties to bars to one-night stands, etc. He finds this pile of papers in this dead man's apartment, and he's compelled to take them, to read them, and to turn this disorganized manuscript into an actual book. So the structure of the book is the, you know, the novel that Zampano, the, the book Zampano was writing, that's a study of this movie that supposedly exists. 
with his footnotes, with Johnny's footnotes, and then with footnotes of the editors from the publisher that Johnny sent all this stuff to. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all in a book written by Mark Z. Daniel Lewski. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then it gets into things like, so there's footnotes within footnotes. There is pages where the text winds around itself like a maze. There's pages where there's the text is just a little blank, a little paragraph in the middle of an otherwise blank page. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kyle's holding up a... Like two line says, the man. There you go. (laughs) Stick it to the man. Uh, Yeah, yeah, and like there's text that's in... There's text that's in different colors to symbolize different things. There's different fonts. There's crossed out text. This is I was reading that the the author. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now we're in the maze portion of the book camera. But yeah. Got to turn it up. I was reading that the left and right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You have to literally turn the book upside down, backwards, forwards, rotate it. You know, it'll refer to something at the back of the book. The book comes with an index. It's it's intense. And I was reading that the author, uh, you know, when he got this publishing deal, he like flew to New York City where the publishing offices were and he typeset this himself. He's like, I can't hand this off to anybody else to arrange. The page by page arrangement of this book is very important to me. I feel like I'm the only one who can do this. Let me just live in New York for like two months or whatever while I typeset this in your office. It seems like all of the like strange typesetting would be much more difficult to explain to someone how to do it like this. And then why you're doing it like this, because all of it is purposeful and it is very Mm. specific where you have pages where type is arranged to look. Oh, that looks like a key. Oh, that looks like an yeah. airplane. Oh, this is getting smaller <laughs> as the the passage that this character is crawling th- through is also physically mm. g- getting smaller and stuff like that. So there's some some strange things in this book. It's a wild, wild read. Yeah. So good stuff. Do you do you have kind of final thoughts before we get into spoilers and stuff like that? Uh, real briefly, I just want to say um, my past with this book is that this is something I've like heard about on occasion throughout the last several years. But the thing that really made me want to specifically read this book now is I found a YouTube video by the YouTuber Jacob Geller, who does some uh, video essays on video games, which I'm not I'm not a I've heard I don't the, play I've games, but I heard the name. I think he's Game Informer or used to be on in game informer i've heard the name i i swear i've heard him on a podcast pretty okay. regularly well that's good yeah, well i stumbled across these video essays he does and they're very interesting like even not for a gamer they're they're, they're really interesting ideas and he had a video called control anatomy and the legacy of the haunted house and you had been playing control and you told me about it and I wanted to learn a little bit more i'm still not going to play it because i don't play any games but i wanted to like see footage of this thing and that yeah. video talked a lot about house of leaves so i just wanted to credit some of the inspiration here i'm, I'm gonna have to look that up because control was amazing but that was a great game mm. i loved it uh and yeah control is very very weird and it has like the like all con 
Greek government. Yeah. The whole game takes place inside this single building that is kind of like House of Leaves in the sense that it is bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Only certain people can see the building to get inside and then mm. inside it's like shifting and changing and there's like these giant caverns of like how did this get in here what in the world mm-hmm. uh so yeah that that's inter- interesting i'm gonna have to go watch that mm. you go okay right. um well we will take a quick break for some housekeeping and when we return we will get into spoilers and all of that good stuff so we will be right back We put a lot of hard work into the shows that we make, and yes, we make multiple different shows here at The Whatnots, and we'd love it if you would check them all out. You can find out more information on our website at thewhatnots.com, as well as your favorite podcasting platform of choice. When you type in The Whatnots, all of our shows will pop up right there. Just don't forget to give us a nice rating and review if you like the shows. If you want to support what we do here at The Whatnots, patreon.com slash The Whatnots is the best place to do that. You can support us for as little as a dollar a month. You can get all kinds of exclusive content at the $3 tier. You can also get a shout out and thank you on all of our shows at the $5 tier. You can support us on Twitch by subscribing to our channel at twitch.tv slash the whatnots. And we would love to have you all join us for our live streams and talk with us in the chat. And lastly, we have merch. If you want to grab yourself a shirt or a sweatshirt or a mug or something else, go to the whatnots.com slash store to pick up some merch today. And we are back. A uh, big shout out to our Patreon supporters at the $5 tier and above. So thank you so much to Sam. Sam, we Thanks, appreciate Sam. you. We love you a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, it means a lot. It really mm-hmm. does. Um, let's see. Cool things that we are doing here at the review show. Uh, Crossplay is back in full force. Let's see. Last week, we had all four of us on the sh- show, mm-hmm. all of the hosts. This week, we only had three of us, uh, but Gamescom ha- happened uh, th- this week. So there was lots of announcements, new release dates, all sorts of stuff, some new trailers, uh, lots of co- cool stuff there. Uh, Shang-Chi, the new Marvel yeah. movie, is coming out this week as well. So be on the lookout for our reactor core to that Um you guys can go check out all of our podcasts if you just t- type in the whatnots uh, in into your favorite podcasting app. Yeah, lots of neat stuff that we do mm-hmm. at the whatnots. Uh, but Melissa, let's officially get into yes. spoilers. Oh, the button didn't work. Didn't do anything. Nothing is playing oh. right now. I don't know why, but spoilers. Spoil- Here we are. Spoiler noise. Yeah. <laughs> I want to start by recapping a conversation you and I had a couple weeks ago when we checked in, in about, hey, have you started reading House of Leaves? How far in yes. are you? How are you feeling about this so far? And you mentioned a part of the book where uh, Karen is building a bookshelf that like, you know, it's like a plank snug between two walls. And then there's one point where like... <laughs> Like uh, Tom takes a book off of the shelf 
and then all of the other and then you hear all the books like fall over and like Karen turns around she heard that crash and she sees that now there's like two extra feet of wall beyond where the shelf was and she screams and you said that part was really funny and I'm like wow I thought that part was really (laughs) scary (laughs) it's it's interesting because yeah, like the the book doesn't really start like I mean, I think a good horror book will build up the terrifying stuff, right? Which is I think exactly yeah. what this book does. Um but yeah, it starts out just the, the what seems like an academic paper uh and it is talking about this documentary and it is just kind of slowly I, I mean I mean to, to 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 me the first bit read more like a documentary like I was watching yeah. this on Netflix of like, this is Will Navidson and he's a photojournalist and he won this p- p- prize and here's his wife. What did she think of him? And blah, 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 you, you know, and it's all pointedly not his as, wife, but yes. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but like just as they're explaining all of that stuff. Yeah, she is building the shelf in this new ha- mm. ha- house and they set up this gag in air co-quotes where (laughs) she builds the shelf which spans the entire width of the wall it's snug between these two walls and she ends up taking a book off the shelf at one point and it falls over and it hits the 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 wall and it's like ah like that's kind of satisfying knowing that the the shelf is snug between these two walls and the books won't ever fall off uh and then as will davidson and his brother uh are are like measuring the inside and the outside of the house as they first discover like huh this is strange it's just slightly larger on the inside um they're exploring this and they're measuring and they're bringing in this engineer to help them and get more actual like measuring tools and stuff like that and it's just kind of comedic when they were like okay this door is in the way uh let me get a book off the shelf to like hold the door back yeah this is the mysterious closet that suddenly appears in their room they're investigating the closet this is when they're first realizing this is not a normal house yeah so they hold the door with this book off the shelf so they can like laser measure this thing to get an exact They are as exact as they can. And when he pulls the book off the shelf, just without thinking about it, he leaves and the books fall over. But they fall off the shelf because that room has now grown an extra foot. And the wife sees this and screams. I'm just like, what the hell? I go, how did how did this get bigger? What? What? Why? Who? Why, Gamora? And and and, and, and <laughs> like she just it, it's this like that's how the chapter stops of just like and yeah. then Karen screams and I was just like this is kind of funny like I I don't like is. this where it's, it is this comedic like they they set up the joke in in that yeah. thing where there is this scene where she takes off the off the book and it's like ah oh, it's so satisfying that they don't fall off because it's snug in in here yeah. and it's like it's, oh, <laughs> now it's not <laughs> it's both a joke it's both a gag and a jump scare 
a literary yeah. jump scare. That's something this book is good at. Like, it's terrifying, but there is an absurdity to what the, th- not even a threat. It's just, it's, well, if you go deep enough down in the dark, you could get lost forever. You could starve. You could freeze, et cetera, et cetera. But when it's just like there's a closet here that wasn't here before, it's not threatening yet, but it is so unnerving yeah. that <laughs> they, <laughs> like it's, they, it's, it's a very unique form of scary in this book yeah. that like is in very few other stories I've encountered. Yeah, they uh, they do kind of towards the start within the first like two or three chapters. There is one moment in there that is that stood out to me as particularly scary, but it it yeah. wasn't a moment that necessarily stood out as a whole. It was just yeah. like, this idea of when they were introducing the Navidson record and the footage that's on that. Uh, they mention a scene where I think it was Will, it must have been from like Exploration 5 or something, where he is completely lost. It it is this like foreshadowing of like, look, right now it just starts with this like extra foot, this extra closet. But by the end of this, this main character, this man that we are exploring is going to be just so completely lost in pitch in pitch blackness uh and mm-hmm. it was kind of like this um well why am i b- b- blinking on the name what's the the found footage movie uh blair witch the, project witch? yes yeah it, 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 it is like this blair witch like homemade video mm. just like i'm completely lost like what's going on and yeah, yeah, like that moment stood out out to me uh, as like, hey, I might not be scared now, but down the road they're gonna like it's really gonna build up to that. And I think this book was absolutely successful in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some horrifying stuff that g- goes yeah. on in in this. There was one or two moments in there I was like, okay, this is maybe getting into a little bit more cheesy stuff, but. Man, they they had they had some stuff that was like this is creepy. Like I I I would stay up late and read some of this because I didn't know exactly. Like, okay, is this chapter gonna send me to the appendixes where I'm gonna have to go read forty extra mm. pages that I thought <laughs> I didn't have to read today and all that stuff. And I would stay up late and like in the middle of a chapter or something, I would have to like go use the bathroom. And it's like two thirty three in the morning, and it's just pitch black in in our house. And I'm just like, it's a different type of scary. Like I'm, I, yeah. I don't like scary stuff. I don't like mm. horror movies because I do genuinely get scared, and I just don't like that feeling. But there is like there is a thing where you watch a scary film. And then you don't like you don't like to have all the lights off because yeah. you think someone is there or something like that. This was completely different where it's like, yeah, lights are off. I know no one's there. The scary thing is, I don't know how big the space is there. Yes. Like, did 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 the room change? And it, it seems silly, but it's just like it, there could just be an infinite nothingness there, and I don't know. 
Right. I yeah, that's such a specific feeling of unnervingness. I think about how when I was like 12 years old, my family took a, a trip to Denver. And then when I was in college, I took another road trip to Fort Collins, Colorado, which is like just outside of Denver. One of my school clubs was meeting up with the chapter of that school club at that university. And that time we were driving into the city at night. And I remembered from before how the mountains are like right there. Like as soon as you hit the Denver area, like the Rocky Mountains are like on the horizon. You can see them easily. But because we're driving in at night, I can't, you know, those things aren't lit. I can't see any of them, but I know that they are there. So I'm just Every staring out the blackness of the car the window. In, in, in <laughs> Like, I'm staring at the blackness of this car window. I can't see them, but I know they're there. And, like, that's the closest real-life feeling I've ever had to anything that's in this book. Yeah, it was such a specific, weird feeling. that I I, Like, me personally, I don't feel like I've had that feeling or Mm. or that thought when I've had that feeling. So, yeah, it was interesting because it's like I'm not scared. Like, I, I, I know there's not like a murderer right there or a zombie or a yeah. werewolf. I don't know why I keep mentioning zombies or werewolves. Specifically, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like I like it. It was this this hang of, of just like, I don't know how large the room is. And yes. that has now become scary. Uh, yeah. Which, yeah. So interesting stuff with that. So I. Uh, started to take notes on this. Uh-huh. Book. I didn't get very, very far. My notes just were, were like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not Johnny here with all of these <laughs> notes. But, uh, let me see, where did my notes go? Here they are. So, uh, I mentioned that I felt the opening chapters read like a documentary. Um, mm. but then the next thing that I wanted to talk about was Johnny, Johnny Truant. Okay. Um. I thought he was a, a rather interesting character because he mm. often didn't seem to fit. Um, and so it was just this like odd choice of like yeah. including him in this narrative and keeping all of these meandering footnotes and stuff that he has in there. Because like in the middle of a chapter where they are dissecting, uh, you know, the, the history of James Town or something like that, mm. how that might connect to the house halfway in, he might be like, yeah, so I was at the tattoo shop yesterday and uh, the stripper <laughs> came in and man, her boobs were incredible. And then we went out for drinks after and my friend Lude, ah, great guy, Lude. He's always smoking something, but he, he's and he would just go on yeah. and on and on about these nonsense yeah. stories. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's. it's it's kind of just like, where is this going? What is happening here? Yeah. But I really felt like his character, at, at least more at the start, uh, mm. really reminded me of Holden Caulfield from Catcher in the Rye, uh, which is funny because I think they meant make a reference to him in this, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember, though. It might have been something else. But um, yeah, like he just has this kind of meandering stream of consciousness uh way about telling his stories um he he d- doesn't con- conclude all of his sentences with everything's phony it's all fake everything's phony he's a phony she's a phony we're all phonies hey um but it 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 
it has this same kind of just like I don't really care about life or what's happening. I'm looking mm. for something else. I'm looking for meaning. Um, and his character starts out in that and then kind of devolves into something mm -hmm. else, um, which I don't know if you do. Do you want to get into the rest of that stuff now or do you want to uh, kind of talk sure. about him generally? Yeah, look, we, can, we can talk about Johnny and then circle back to the Navidsons if we want. I, I was a little frustrated by Johnny at the beginning just because I was so excited to get to Weird House. There's nothing I love more than Weird yes. House, and you encounter it so rarely as a, as a concept it, yeah. in horror fiction. Yeah. I'm like, just get me to the room that's too big. And instead, there's like a 20-page introduction from Johnny, and he'll interject with a footnote, and sometimes they're short, and sometimes they are four pages long. <laughs> it's yep. like beans. Johnny, and go quiet down. I know you. sentences. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I, I warmed to him as the book went on. I, I understand that a lot of the tales of him, like going out with Lou, drinking, hitting up all of these bars, doing these drugs, having these one night stands, you know, getting into arguments with his boss at the tattoo shop. Like that's there to kind of like set this, this status quo for Johnny's normal life and how the deeper he gets into Zampano's manuscript, the more haunted he feels there's a really striking mm -hmm. sequence where he's and like he starts to have these sort of hallucinations these freakouts while he's working yeah. on the manuscript and he has one while he's in like the storage room at the tattoo shop and he like flails around and he knocks over like all these bottles of ink and there's a part where like he's staring down at the ground and the ground is covered in black ink and it covered his hands so he looks down and it's like his arms just end at the wrist and he has no hands. Yep. <laughs> Which is a, a very eerie image. You start to feel for Johnny as he goes on. Like, <laughs> he was, I find him a little annoying at first, like I said, which I think is just because me personally had like something I knew the book was going to get to and I was eager to get sure. there and I didn't want all of those diversions yet. Johnny turns out to be a, a rather sweet guy, like something that you realize by the time you get to the end of the book. Him and Lude have got such a, a sweet friendship like that he doesn't really talk very much about. He's always mentioning Lude. Lude is the guy who like hooks him up with, hey, you should talk to this girl, go to this bar, here are these drugs, etc. Kind et of drinking buddies, but in a way yeah, that yeah. they're also kind of the only friends that yes. he has there so they don't necessarily talk about their like deepest feelings or mm. stuff like that but it is this this really really tight-knit companionship that they really care yeah. for one another and they have their routines and jokes and, and stuff like that and they're they're like secret signals like hey if i'm telling this story like make sure you oh, ask yeah. these things to like heighten these these story here and 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 stuff like that it's it's this neat relationship yeah you you get to the end of the story where lude has been uh <laughs> he, like johnny had sex with this guy's girlfriend and lude was the one who introduced the two of them and then this boyfriend who was like out traveling in europe comes back 
and like he's hunting for Johnny. But on the way, he like beats up Lute so bad he's in the hospital. And Johnny's about to leave town to go to Virginia to try and find the house to like prove if it was real or not. And he has this meeting with Lude before he goes. And it's so, oh, it really, really made me look back on the book. Like I have been undervaluing these two. I did take them as just drinking buddies, but they're, this is a relationship that goes down very deep. It's very heartfelt. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I th- think you're right. Johnny is meant to kind of be annoying at first because that's mm-hmm. that that's holden caulfield he's a shit sure. person um and and i i i think this book is filled with characters that are kind of looking for meaning or looking for purpose and i think mm. that's basically what johnny was doing here is he is this kind of lost soul where he is just yeah. being consumed by drugs and sex and just the meaninglessness of that stuff and he recognizes it but that's like he doesn't know what else is out there so he just doesn't know where to go so he just sticks in this mm-hmm. cycle of like okay where's the next party what's the next thing that we're starting yeah. right like um and he ends up finding this purpose in creating this book here to a point where it becomes an obs- an obsession it becomes self-destructive mm. he sells all his he sells his house and his car and all that or like, he sells a lot of stuff but like to the p- point where he's malnourished he's not yeah like he's just there's nothing else besides this book and that's it um Whereas he kind of mirrors Will Navidson in that way, mm. who who has basically given up his career to settle down with his partner to be like, hey, maybe we should spend more time with the fa- family. Yeah. But Will also has this kind of obsessive personality where he's looking for something to do um, and being stuck at this home the house kind of provides that and kind of performs for for him be like hey if you want something to to, to do (laughs) yeah i got something you know and so he he me he he becomes obsessed with uh exploring and navigating and documenting this giant space uh but Mm. he at the same time can't which is kind of the same thing with Johnny is that Johnny was never at this house. He never yeah. explored it. He never did the research, uh, all that stuff. And even though he's obsessed with it and he's trying to put this book together, it, he kind of can't really do it. And yeah, he, like there's there's ink on a bunch of pages that have just been what's like well these this whole chapter is just missing 17 pages yeah now and all of this stuff so it, it is like it's a book about a book that is an incomplete book um, yes so it yeah it's just this idea of like chasing after this obsession this search for meaning or purpose that you find but can never truly possess yeah there's so much incomplete or only surmised knowledge throughout the book 
uh, like Johnny finds this manuscript and he looks into it and he's like, Zampano was writing about a movie that he seems convinced was real. And he cites all these articles, fully cites all these books and articles and news interviews, all of this material. And he's like, I can't find proof of any of this. I don't think the Navidson record is real. I don't think any of these books or articles are real. But Zampano was writing about them as if they were. And another aspect of it is that the book, the, the Navidson record manuscript that Johnny finds that Zampano was writing mm-hmm. is filled with a lot of rich visual detail. But everyone he talks to about Zampano was like, he was blind his whole life. So he's like, how did this blind man write such a visually rich book? And he died. Like when he finds him, like the there's like claw marks in the floor. Like it seems nobody's exactly clear how Zampano died, how he found out about any of this. Did he imagine all of it? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of in well, there's a lot of interpretations within the book about what the yeah. house is and how it works. Um, but I think I think there's just a number of interpretations. I'm I just with a quick Google search of this book, there are forums and posts and all sorts of stuff about people talking about this book and why this? Why is there that check mark on page, I think like 97 oh, yeah. or stuff like that? Like there's all these discussion forums and threads there. But I think Zampano be- being blind, if that is true, uh, then I think it leads it lends credence to the idea that all of this was fake and something he made up just with this idea that he is so used to this pitch blackness and it is something that he knows personally and mm. can just describe what it's like to just be in darkness and live your life without seeing a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also, I mean, I, I don't know what it's like to be b- blind, so I, I don't mm-hmm. know that. But to tell someone who, you, you know, lives part of their life with sight and then has that t- taken away, I imagine that would be horrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so interesting stuff. And there's, there's even confusion within... Like, within this academic community that is studying the Navitzit record. So, like, Johnny finds this book about the movie, and he's like, I don't think the movie is real. This book might be all fictional. And then within the book, like, the scholars are talking about how there's a section of the movie. Because, like, the movie was released in, like, bits and pieces. Like, first, the the five-minute hallway short film got out just through, like, tape trading. And then I think it was part of, like... Yeah, part of Holloway's exploration number four. And there's a bit in the book where some scholars are talking about how there's a shot in the finished film that is a slightly different camera angle from what was in this original, like, released clip of of Holloway's videos when he's down there exploring the caverns. And they're like, that, why is the shot different? And also, based on the context of every shot we've seen preceding that, that can't be the same camera. This shot looks like it was faked, but how? why would it have been faked? How would it have been faked? Why is there this discrepancy between these two shots? And then that's like never picked up again, never explained. There's so many weird details. Like it talks about how the Navidson family moves in and they've got a cat and a dog. 
And then those just vanish. Like over the course of the people watching the documentary, the cat and dog just aren't there anymore. And there's no clear answer where they went. It's not even like they probably went into the the room. They went into the hallway and got lost. Like there's no proof. They're like, they maybe the house ate the dog or maybe the dog ran away. Nobody knows. Yeah, well, there is there is one scene where we see them go in the hallway, mm. but like the house itself just like spits them out outside. Yeah. Like, oh, not right. even yes. like an, in another room in the thing. They're just outside some somehow. It's like, what? How did you get out there? What? Um, yeah, because they, they make mention of like, it seems like the house maybe doesn't like animals, not in like a vicious way but it's just like yeah no thanks let's put those outside um yeah it's it's there's so many just weird details about that um i think even down to the fact that some of the like samples that they had taken of the rock or the walls that are not necessarily made out of like normal building materials and stuff like yeah. that are maybe like extra planetary extra universal like for, not from our universe yeah or like it, the, yeah like will takes a section of the wall like a little scraping of whatever the wall is made out of and he takes it to a science lab and the scientist is like yeah, if my like carbon dating, you know, measurements are correct, this is older than the Earth. Yeah, uh, so we don't know if it's alien or if it's some god or stuff like that. They explore, uh, like, it, like, hey, does this have something to do with like the disappearance of the Jamestown colony or stuff like that? Does this have that a was... connection to g- Greek mythology? Um, and yeah, there's. There's uh, all kinds of discussions and academic papers written about this Navinson record, which I guess to us here would be fake. But then there's also a bunch of footnotes and stuff that uh, are uh, that are referencing real books and stuff like that, which is really interesting. Um there's one in there that uh, they they reference like the ghosts of Virgi- Virginia and and stuff like that. Mm. And those are actual books. There is a series of 13 books that are all about the ghosts of Virginia uh, and stuff like that. So it's just it's interesting that there is this mix of like fake things that they are referencing and also real things that they are referencing that. Yeah. Are I'm assuming are like twisted to fit the purpose of this book here. So I don't know. Mm. There's there's just so many things that we could dig into. I don't think we'll have the time to dig into every single one of these things in the way it deserves. But yeah. Right. You You could take any individual aspect of this book and talk about it for an hour and a half. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Talking um, about the combination of fictional things and real things, there's a great section of the book after the family has finally left the house, you know, after 
it just turns into a giant cavern that eats Tom and they're like, we're getting out of here. Where Karen has taken all of the footage that Will had filmed and she's starting to edit it together. Like he's off with with Billy and this scientist doing these investigations. She's like back at their old place in New York or they're, you know, she's staying at her mom's or whatever. And she's got the footage and she's like, I guess I'll do something with this. And she edits together like a, a rough cut of the documentary. And there's a part where she shows it to all of these people, most of whom are like famous authors, et cetera, like recognizable people, <laughs> including uh, she shows it to, I think, Hunter S. Thompson. And she's like, what did you think yep. about the movie? And he's like, I was having a bad day and this did not help. It really destroyed my mood. I got really destructive. I like threw a bunch of stuff around at the place I'm crashing at and they won't let me back. Can I stay with you? <laughs> she talks to uh, like I two parts that I find particularly interesting. She shows it to Stephen King and to Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. Which is interesting because one of the reasons why I wanted to read this book is that I love how the hotel in the shining does not make physical sense when you really stop and look at it it's not anything that you can see on the surface you know the first couple times you're watching through the movie but if you stop and measure it like there's that scene at the beginning of the movie where jack goes into the hotel manager's office to interview to have the winter caretaker position and there's like a window you know behind the manager's desk if you look at the layout of the rest of the hotel around it There should not be a window there. That cannot lead to the outside. There's no courtyard. That's an impossible window. Or Danny will take his big wheel and he'll ride past a hallway with all these doors and turn a corner. And you see that the wall is so thin, like those doors could not have led to rooms. Like like it's too small for those to even be closets. Where are those doors going? And so I think it's interesting that King and Kubrick are two people cited that Karen shows it to. And they kind of, King says, you didn't make this up, did you? I'd like to see this house. And Kubrick says, yeah. you know, if I didn't know better, I'd say you weren't a filmmaker at all. I'd say the whole thing really happened. Like those two are the ones who key in on, this is not like, a fictional huh, there's film. There's something this is a, going this on is, here, yeah. This is a documentary of something you really experienced. And one of the this book does have a couple really funny parts. And one of them is one of the people Karen approaches to show them the movie to see what they can make out of it is that she talks to magician David Copperfield in this section of the book. Like it's describing (laughs) like Karen filmed all her little interviews with these people. It's like an additional side, you know, film to the Navidson record titled What Some Have Thought. And the portion of the book like sort of describes in like stage directions. Mm-hmm. This is the person she's talking to. This is the setting they're in. It's like a dialogue back and forth. And it says that the setting for this little interview with David Copperfield is like on the base of the Statue of Liberty. And she's talking to David Copperfield. And I don't even remember what he's saying. But then at the end, in brackets, it says behind him, the Statue of Liberty disappears. That's <laughs> <Yeah>, great. <laughs> I- that's that joke um towards the beginning of the book like after the hallway has opened up and like Mm. will is fascinated by it and at this point it's just like a dark hallway that goes out like 20 feet it's scary but it's not as intense as that place is going to get and like will is fascinated by it but karen's like don't go in there i i will not have you going into the hallway 
and they have these two unnamed celebrities stop by. Like Will, uh, Will is this Pulitzer Prize winning photojournalist. Uh, Karen used to be like a fashion model. They're people of of some noteworthiness. So it's not surprising that they would know people who are who are famous. And in the book, it's these two people like their names are redacted. I don't remember if we even get pronouns or anything. We've no clue. It's just two celebrities of the early Brad 90s. Brad and Angelina. For all who knows? We like know. they, yeah. <laughs> they drop by and Will is like showing and Karen's like, don't show them the hallway. And Will's like, take a load of this guys and opens the door and points down. Like, look at this dark hallway my house has. And then later that night, Karen had like kicked Will out of bed and made him sleep in the living room. And she says, go sleep with your beloved hallway. <laughs> hey, Regis, Kathy Lee, check this shit out. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's like two celebrities who don't know each other and like also didn't know that the other ones knew Will and Karen. <laughs> and like both of them yeah. see the place. Free and like leave they both leave and it's noted that in that series of interviews that karen never tried to approach whoever those two people were again yeah interesting um so i i i feel like i don't really have much else to say on will navidson himself because my thoughts on him are very very similar to johnny's where I kind of mm-hmm. mentioned they kind of mirror one another in this that in, in that they find this obsession that mm-hmm. consumes them. And there is the, I mean, they, they have a whole discussion on like, well, what does it mean to possess something or like is, yeah. is Will trying to possess this thing or is it possessed him or stuff like that? And yeah, I like that. That is kind of what I think about him, that he is just he's trying to do what he does and capture this thing and photograph it and document it. But he literally can't because it's just darkness. Like you can't really photograph that. And so he's, he's still just like, he's still obsessed with like, I need to figure out a way to do, to do this. I need to explore it and figure out like, why can't I do this? Can I, if, if I just find some piece of knowledge, maybe that will help me be like, oh, okay, this is what this is. Mm. And then he can be like, bam, there it is. Here's my picture. Here's my next Pulitzer Prize mm. thing. But he never gets that. Uh, and so, yeah, like, uh, that's just kind of what I think of him is that that is what he is chasing, um, which is, is not necessarily an uncommon thing for people Mm. to do, right. To have some goal or or dream that they chase that they just never reach. Um, yeah, it, it, it might be something that they do. I mean, look, we, I've, I've been doing this podcast for five years going on six i would love to do this the rest of my life do i think i'll be successful with this thing no not really (laughs) but uh, but like it's it's kind of a similar feeling i think Mm -hmm. does does that make sense to you did 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 you get that same kind of vibe off of him yeah, there is a a theme in this book about the need to just document something, to record it, to capture it. 
And therefore, then by perhaps possessing it, like Will is fixated on documenting the house. You know, all these scholars were obsessed with documenting the the feedback and the reaction and all of the possibility and interpretation of the Navidson record to the point where I think some of the footnotes reference like very, very long books that people have written just about the Navidson record. And then Zampano mm-hmm. was obsessed, perhaps, with documenting this is this bizarre film entity and what everybody thought about it. This is this moment in cultural time. And then Johnny's obsessed with taking all of these notes and like making it into something. Like Johnny's the closest to like he could almost Sensitive, finish yeah. his project. He says to take all of Zampano's notes, organize them, translate them, etc. It's just about the search to, like, finish the thing. Uh, It reminds me of, I watch a lot of YouTube videos about lost media, and sometimes the media doesn't seem like it's something that worth hanging on to, but there is this frustration there of, it should be up to us to decide whether we interact with the media or not. We should have the option because it should be there for us to decide on. The fact that it's just not an option, that it's missing, this is not acceptable. Like, we need to make sure that it is recorded, that it can be found, that it can be accessed. Yeah. Yeah, there, there is this... Um, I, I, I was, I was going to say, yeah, like, it, it, it is this choice that we want to be like hey it might be mm-hmm. a little lost but it ends up reaching this like cult status yeah uh, d- like with the circumstances of how it was lost or like why yeah. it was lost and i think there's a little bit of discussion kind of about that of like should this have even reached the cult status that it did like mm-hmm. is it really that important maybe not i I don't know, but here, you know, here is this thing that is happening with it that has has had books written about it, and yeah, have gone on talk show circuits to be like, yeah, I wrote this thing back in National Geographic about how the house relates to a vagina, and it's just, you know, yeah, the whole thing. And it's just there's so much, and it's kind of funny too because some of the names of these things will just be like puns and stuff, stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> That so can it's, happen. It's, it's uh, I I am glad that I read this as somebody who now works in academic publishing. Yeah, that that was something I was wondering. You you work kind of in this field. I I don't know if you necessarily have to read all of the stuff that like Oh no, no. De- de- detail, but like I just scan through it, and like I make sure the abstract matches the system like the info you plugged into our submission system. Your references are the correct style. Okay. If it's double blind peer review, you've thoroughly anonymized it. All your figures and tables are cited in the correct order. I check for things like that. I don't have to read anything. Gotcha. So I, I was, yeah, wondering like how, how you felt reading this then of love. Like this is basically a giant academic paper, like a 700 page academic paper. <laughs> I think the only thing that struck me as odd was some of the references they are citing have got these very abs like short abstract titles. And I I think you would have written a more specific title 
Like a lot of just the way things were titled is like that doesn't make any sense to anybody outside of the context. That doesn't have the sort of keywords that you would need to find that paper in a database. Yeah, it's more of the like, if you know, you know. But right. no one's really yeah. going to read this pa- pa- paper unless you're as obsessed as, with, with, with this thing as Will was himself. Right. Like, I think there's a, a book that they refer to frequently, frequently enough. I think it shows up like three or four times called like The Disillusion of the American Family or something like that. That is a, supposedly all about the Navidson record. But wouldn't some reference to the Navidson record be in the title? Like, that's the only thing that yeah. bugged me. Everything else seemed realistic enough. Oh, and I was hoping I work on a literary criticism journal and I was hoping to be able to get access to some of the papers about House of Leaves. But I oh, I only work on the back end of the site, so I can't access the like published database of papers. I can just get them from the back end out of the submission system. And those things expire after after a certain amount of time. Uh, okay. So unfortunately, the journal hasn't published about House of Leaves in like the last two years or something. I had no access to the older papers. All I could do was read the abstracts. Amazing, though. Um, Speaking on how we read the book, when we first kind of checked in, we also, besides the whole thing of me thinking that one scene was more of a comedic (laughs) uh, scene, you, you, you mentioned the way in which you were reading the book. And that was different from the way I was reading yes. the book because I read it more straightforward where I would read the text. If there was a footnote, I would read the footnote. If there was a footnote on the footnote, I'd go then read that footnote. If it sent me to an appendix, I would then go to that appendix read or look at all the stuff in the appendix that I needed to. And then I would go back to where I was in the actual text and continue that way. But you did it a little bit differently from what I understand. Yeah, I just sort of read straight through. If I was on a page and it referred me to a footnote, I'd stop, I'd read that footnote, I'd read any sub footnotes within that. But I didn't go back to the appendices. I would look at something that I knew was short. Okay, Like if it was a a reference that I knew was just like, and then well, I, I didn't read them while I was reading, you know, the the main yeah, yeah, manuscript yeah. of the thing. Like if it was something that I knew was referring to, like, here's a sketch Johnny drew of what he thinks the house might look like. I'd refer back to short things. But like I read through the whole book. Then I read through the appendices. So I didn't get to the letters from Johnny's mom until the end. Mm. That was the final thing I read. So you must have read those earlier, like midway through Very. the book, right? I think it's in like chapter two or three that it sends you to go. Okay. Read them where, yeah, it's it's like, hey, I mean, it, it is one of those things of like, hey, if you want yeah. back go, go around on what happened to Johnny's parents, now would be the t- time to go do that. But you don't need to like the, the stuff that happens to them is kind of ancillary, right? Where it is this mm-hmm. extra world building stuff doesn't really relate to the house per se um, mm. but there's some interesting stuff and then like i mentioned there's that check mark on page 97 yeah yes uh which is one of those things of like because i had read those when i came across that i knew what that meant 
And I, it would have been one of those things that, like, if this was your case, you were probably like, why the fuck is this check mark there? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I knew, and then, like, if I keep reading, I presume this will be explained. <laughs> and eventually it yeah. was. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it was just, it was interesting because it did kind of foreshadow things of, like, that check mark came at a time when... It, well, the one in 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 context of like when it came on like that specific page, it didn't really make sense per mm. se of just like why that page. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it 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 came at a time where I didn't know what was gonna happen to Johnny, and so now mm. looking back on this, it was basically this cry for help that hey something mm. is wrong here uh and that's basically it and from kind of that point on i think is when he starts to have the he starts to sort of get the panic attacks and it builds and yeah. builds and builds kind of from that point on uh and and stuff like that but yeah i i, I was just curious it was there another example of something like that in the book where reading the appendices after then shed some light on something that you read before that i wondered if they would have shed more light because i think i remember reading something that said reading those letters from johnny's mother really makes you look at johnny in a different way and so i was expecting to like get to those at the end and maybe there would be a, a major shift like maybe it would lead you to thinking more like oh it's not just that maybe zampano invented the navidsons and everybody writing about them maybe johnny invented zampano like how deep does this go i thought it would be like i'd get to the uh, end okay. and it's like some sort of a mr robot twist or something like that where i would Nothing like read big. it and i would see, and then i would see like all of these things in johnny's mother's letters that was like yes he pulled that out of there like I i've never seen the usual suspects but i think that's how that movie goes where it's like these are all of the ancillary things around your life that you pulled in and you spun this narrative out of and we realize everything yeah. you've been telling us is fictional and there are some parallels between what johnny's mother writes and things that appear in the story uh for example she mentions like lemon meringue pie which is like i think karen makes a lemon meringue pie at some point and like you see the family eating it and like when tom goes you know he when he's camped out in the great room he's like i wish i had some of that pie and at one point she says um when she's really dealing with her her mental illness and feeling trapped here in this institution she writes i live at the end of some interminable corridor which the lucky damned can call hell, but which the much unluckier must simply get used to calling home. Like there's stuff that really mirrors the Navidson's journey, but not to the point where I'm like, ah, yes, this is where Johnny was inspired to, to craft this narrative or something. It's, it wasn't like it's a that. Into which madness, which is what happens yeah. with Will Navidson. Yeah. So it, yeah, it, it mirrors one another. I think I was thinking as I got through the book, all of the book, the appendices and everything, that there would be 
answers, that there would be some sort of a twist, something that like explained something out of the many mysteries in this book. Mm. And there really isn't. But I, I kind of admire that, how much everything just open to interpretation or we say this, that is our best guess. We have no way of proving this. One of my favorite aspects of this is that I mentioned at the beginning that when Zampano died, there were like claw marks in the floor around where his body had fallen there in his apartment. And when Will first travels into the dark hallway and he's in like the great room, he can kind of hear this growling. And so he wonders if there's like some sort of a, a creature in there. And then when the um, the climbing team goes down there, they'll like set up these like neon markers, the sort of bread come trail as they travel down the spiral staircase. And as they go back up, they find all that stuff like shredded, torn apart. Like there are things that lead you to think there's a monster in the darkness. And like you remember that part at the beginning, you're like, oh, maybe all of this is real. And like Zampano by writing about it called upon like the fury of this monster and it like came and got him. But at the end of the day, there's no proof that anything lives in the darkness yeah. of the darkness of the house. And there's a prevailing theory that's cited several times in the book that this growling is thought to be uh, just the sound the house makes when it rearranges itself because it's not just that it keeps growing it will change what you have already been through if you go through like this certain pathway to get to an area they call the great hall when you try and leave the great hall and go back into the living room those set of doors and hallways may be different way. yeah everything right. it changes it changes in scale that's some of the wildest stuff that happens like when they go down the spiral staircase and then they have to get back up like and they've got that pulley system. So like Tom is up in the great hall and he has to pull up. I think like he pulls up wax, he pulls up Jed, he pulls up Billy and then he's about to pull up uh, Will when the staircase just like shoots up. It like grows in size exponentially. To where, yeah. like, Will can't even see, like, the little dot of light that is, like, Tom's lantern all the way up there. And every time after Tom had, like, pulled somebody up, he would, like, drop a quarter to, yeah. like, signal down to Will, okay, this one's good, send the next person up on this, like, pulley system. And Will, it's like, this happens, he's lost in the darkness, he feels like an hour goes by, and then, like, a quarter drops, and he thinks, and there's, like, some calculation that, like, Zampano or, like, the editors that Johnny handed the book to somebody later figured out, okay, if Tom had dropped the quarter as soon as he pulled Billy up and Will's uh, estimation of the time that has gone by is correct, or maybe it wasn't even an estimation. Maybe they could see like the, the time stamp on the camcorder. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like if that's true, the rate at which the quarter took to fall from the time Tom dropped it to when Will heard it indicates that Will is so far down that the length exceeds like the entire circumference of Earth. Yeah. The wild, <laughs> wild stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like, it seems like the house just erodes things. Like, you hear the growling, it belongs to the house itself. Like, there's no living entity beyond the house. And the house just slowly erodes at things that you live, that you leave there. Like, that's what the climbing team kind of figures out. 
like they are like their shoelaces will like slowly dissolve like it's it's the stuff like when you stop thinking about the stuff that it starts to erode yeah like they one of them mentions like i've got a pocket uh with a zipper and i didn't think about that pocket for long enough that i went back to it and now the zipper is no longer there so i've got like a pocket i can't open yeah that stuff's wild the closest though they get to kind of showing that there is some wild beast is i believe when uh when holloway dies when they show his death and there is this thing we don't know exactly what it is that seems to grab him and pull him in um yeah but it it it's still not d- descriptive enough to really say like oh that's a claw or that's an arm or something. It is just darkness that starts yeah. to wrap around him, and they just don't know how to ex- ex- explain that. Um, mm-hmm. Which is yeah, which is a s- super scary thought. Um, yeah. Just how much and, is left up to your imagination and even the yes. imaginations of like the most devoted scholars and scientists. They look at this thing and they're like, we can only guess. We yes, have yes. no answers. By the end of the story, nobody gets any answers. The only question that is solved for us is who Delisle is. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the the whole imagination aspect is the thing that I kind of wanted to talk about next. So I do have to mention since we... Uh, kind of talked about the la- 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 letters from Johnny's mom. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that is maybe the saddest thing in the whole whole book. That was heartbreaking. Yeah. So there's so many heartbreaking sections in this book. Definitely those for sure. And then like the yeah. letter Will writes to Karen, where he confesses to her like who Delisle is, because that's something yeah. that's been hinted out throughout the book that he's. This, like in this his big sl- secret that he's kind of kept from everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Like in his sleep, he'll mutter this name or he'll like mutter it under his breath or something. And like nobody knows what it is. And like and she always Karen- kind of suspects that it's like, is, is this someone you've had an affair with? Is yeah, what's, it's- what's going on? Here? Yeah. Is this why this is such a closely guarded secret for you? Did you like cheat on me when you were off on some photojournalism assignment? And he writes this letter to her where, like, after they get out of the house, she goes back to New York. He goes off with Billy to, like, have the scrapings of the walls, you know, pondered by the scientist. He hasn't seen her in, like, two months. And he's decided to go back into the house, go back into that hallway. And he writes her this drunken, rambling letter that is one of the most poignant things in the book for me. And he confesses it to... This is also something Karen figures out. Like she's going through all of Will's possessions that they were able to grab out of the house before they leave. And the photo that had won Will his Pulitzer Prize is from when he was in, I think, Sudan. And it's of this little starving girl with a vulture looming over her. And Karen like takes that photo and like it's like out of the frame or something for the first time and she looks at the back of it and delisle is the name written on the back of the photo she realizes mm-hmm. that was if not that girl's actual name because he may not have known that was will always referred to that girl as that's how he thought of her and that's his greatest shame in the world is the question of should i have done something other than 
take that girl's photo. And it's really right. Seems like he probably couldn't have. It doesn't seem like there was anything around them. It's not like, oh, if Will had only set his camera down, scooped her up and ran, he could have gotten her to a hospital or to a feeding center or something. It seems like they were truly in the middle of nowhere. And at the second he found her, there was nothing else he could have done. And he's been distraught over, you know, I took this photograph. It won me this award. You know, it really inspired a lot of relief effort to that area. It created good in the world, but it's also such a haunting, harrowing thing. Is it worth it that I did that? Like that's always haunted him. And it's felt like something he's needed to set right in his life. And when he sort of goes back into the house, that's sort of what he's doing, you know, like in like Tom's body got sucked up by the house. And it's sort of an effort of like, could I find Tom's body? Could I find any answers? Could I do anything to like, I don't just (laughs) he's got so many complicated conscience problems going on. That was that was very emotional for me, too, in addition to the letters from Johnny's mom. Yeah. Uh, but I did want to talk about the whole imagination thing mm. because horror to me is kind of best left to the imagination, uh, where I, I kind of always refer to, uh, the walking dead comic, which I, I don't necessarily think is scary per se, but mm. the thing that is scary about that, that, that book is the fact that uh robert karkman has said i'm never gonna tell you yeah how the zombie apocalypse started that is the scary thing it's the the fear of unknown right it's always scarier when you don't know how the joker became the joker he is just this Mm. thing that exists right um and this book kind of by the nature of what it is and how it explores all of this stuff leaves so much up to your imagination uh yeah it's 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 just here's this thing that is just filled with darkness and the best way that they can describe it is that it is yeah it's pitch black you can't see a thing um we have lights that we can bring in so we know that there are spaces there are walls uh we can see that now we're in this like gigantic room and there's this spiral staircase here and there but they they do take a bit of time to describe the walls and all that stuff and yeah clean. there's just nothing distinct about them there's no molding there's no designs on them there's no wallpaper it is just the most plain basic idea of a wall of a yeah. door of the floor there is no tile there is no it's just plain basic yeah, and there it is it's I, I guess on one hand you might say that 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 is not leaving things up to your imagination but it, it is this idea of just it is so it can kind of form to whatever you think of it at. like how yeah. did you let me ask ask you this how did you envision the great hall what did that look like in your mind oh the closest thing that i had in my head was uh have you seen the fellowship of the ring yes Mm -hmm. okay when they go into the mines of moria and suddenly they're in this huge cavernous space and that of course is like columns it has carvings so i 
you know, I had to turn that into just like black cube. But I, uh, th- that was the closest uh, visual reference I've had in my life for like that kind of being lost in deep, dark, unimaginable scale where you've just got like, you know, it, not a wizard staff, but <laughs> like a flashlight, a torch, a something. You're like one yeah. little pinprick of light in this massive space that I uh, like there, you know, the dwarves constructed it. But here there's the question of, is this constructed? Was this made by somebody? How? Mm-hmm. Why? For what purpose? Was this somebody's once and now they're gone and now it's just left here? Yeah. In my mind, it was very different and it kind of contradicted what the book said. It, it, mm. it, again, all the stuff was just plain. Like that was yeah. it. But in my mind, it was this giant ornate space it looked like a victorian mansion where the railings Mm. are like super thick on on things and they're built out of like marble and mahogany and it's all polished and stuff like that but it's still in pitch black right so you can't really see this stuff but yeah Mm. like i i imagined like giant chandeliers at one point i was like I wonder if this is more like a Alice in Wonderland moment where just everything is like, like they are smaller, like they are physically yeah. smaller. And it is just like that stuff where it's like these steps are giant steps, but they would be proportional if they fit that size there. And I I knew that that's not necessarily what it looked like because there were no extra steps. It was just those steps that went, you know, that d- descended into a pit of nothingness. Um, and and I, I I guess what's interesting to me is this idea that because it's so plain, you can kind of project whatever you want on the Hess thing. Um, Scott McCloud has a comic book. I have it somewhere ah. around here. I, I don't know. Um, ca- 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 called Understanding Comics. Um, yeah. And uh, it it goes through a bunch of different... It, it Please read this book. It, it is phenomenal. It, it is a great book. Um, but it is, it, it is a graphic novel explaining a lot of the techniques and stuff used in comics to help you understand them and why we understand them the way that I do. And it had a section in there about uh, different art styles and like what something being cartoony, like how that reads versus how something more realistic reads and all of the stuff Mm -hmm. in between. And if it gets so realistic then you can't yeah. project your own thoughts on that because it is like oh that that is what that character looks like whereas if it's cartoony you also can't really project your own stuff on, on it because it's so stylized that it it like well that is the only thing that it looks like but if it's mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle where it's this kind of everyday there there's there's detail enough for you to recognize it as okay this is a person this is kind of what their nose looks like or this is what their hairstyle is but it's not so detailed that 
it's it's like okay here's the wrinkles on his forehead and he has crow's feet mm-hmm. by his eyes and he has uh, like all this like if it d- doesn't necessarily have all of that stuff but is just like okay there's a nose there's an eyes then you can start to project your own thoughts on on that and what they actually look like and oftentimes that is more effective for the reader and more memorable because they can attach their own concepts and meanings and the way it looks like and that will stick in their head um or potentially not all the time but that is just one of the things that happens there and it's just it's it's interesting that this space this house kind of does a similar thing where yeah just you can't see what's in there so the first thing that you picture that is in there that's probably what the rest of this is going to look like Mm. for you like as you read this book and i thought that was fascinating um i'm just like there's so much like i i don't it's just it's scary because it's up to me. It's up to my imagination. Yeah. Yeah. Another bit about the house that really struck me is that one of these scholars notes that there are no clues about the house within the house. Like uh, this documentary would have come out, come out around like 1993. And this article cites something popular at the time. They're like, you can't discover anything in the house like it's missed. <laughs> like, there's no, there's no clues. There's no puzzles. There's missed no the information. Game, yeah. There's yeah, missed with a Y. There's zero information, which is so startling. And as as I was reading this book, I thought about would I want to see this visualized? Would I like to see? You can't do all of this, you know, in a movie. But if you took just the Navidson record portion of it out, would I like to see that in another medium? And I feel like to, now that you've named that concept, it's like, I guess a video game wouldn't really work for this. Like, I don't I don't know if this would make I that exciting of so. a walking simulator. I don't think the house on Ashtree Lane walking simulator is going to be much fun for anybody when there's no puzzles or clues or hacks or a single other thing for you to look at except for like oh the stairs keep going oh the stairs are wider now it like i can see it being more of a movie or tv show but even that i think would be a bad idea because it it takes away that imagination right and Mm. so much relies on it's just pitch black like you can't see this stuff. So all of the stuff of them exploring it and actually seeing that does kind of demystify it. it. No pun intended. Uh, but uh, but like, it, it, yeah, it, it just it takes away the unknown. Right. Where whereas the, the, they the Navidsons never got the answers that they no. wanted. So that mystery is still out there. But from an outside viewer's perspective like myself yeah it's just like okay well now i kind of know what the house looks like that's it i i feel like you could still leave a lot up to the imagination if you did visualize it like we this documentary would have come out like i said around 1993 and like they mentioned like the name of the camcorder that will is using to shoot these on 
and I looked up that camcorder just because I wanted to visualize like oh, what this device looks like. How big is it? How does its footage look like? And it is 90s camcorder, which is not necessarily clear. And it makes this whole thing feel more eerie and slightly more absurd to realize all of the Navitson record has the same visual quality as an America's Funniest Home Video from like the Bob Sackett era. Yeah. <laughs> Pre-Tom Bergeron. I'm, I'm, like everything I'm looks like that. Now. And like, yeah, and like that old footage, it does have this sort of graininess, blobbiness. Like there is stuff that is unclear in it. And like that, that's un that can be unnerving to me is just like we have footage of something, but there's it's not clear enough for you to clearly discern what it is. Like there are outlines and shadows that are left up to you. Like yeah. it's still not they have illustrated the house to us. We're just going to get slightly more. I would like to see a, a film of the Navidson record. If it looked like 1993 camcorders, I don't want it to look like today camcorders. Yes, absolutely. You have to if if they do make it, it has to be shot on high eights like they, they keep yeah. mentioning in this thing. I think it would actually be best served not as a movie or a TV show, but just like an an odd random collection of multimedia stuff. Uh, yeah, like I, I, I want this I, to be I, a I museum think... exhibit. Right. It is an experience. It's not a TV show. It's not a movie. Right. It's, it, it is it is something that you have to experience in such different mediums. Um, like yeah. I, Meow Wolf I'm, presents the house on Ashtray Lane. Exactly. Uh, and there's a station where you just go to a, a computer and watch a bunch of youtube videos and it is the like like i like i think the navidson record itself would be best served as a series of youtube videos right. if that makes sense yeah but just yeah. not this not is a, like, the height of analog horror yeah. yeah yeah absolutely absolutely Man, another note about this stuff. being this being a story set in the early 90s and how that really makes its mark on the narrative is that if Zampano wrote something in like German, Chani can't just go to Google Translate. He has to call has up Lude and be like, Lude, yeah, Lude, do you know anyone who speaks German? And that finding the girl who speaks German leads him down the path of he sleeps, he ends up sleeping with her. And then her boyfriend comes back in from out of town and beats up Lude and is on the hunt for Johnny. <laughs> like the fact that he just needs one sentence translated wrecks Johnny's life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else was I going to say? So I, yeah, j j yeah, stuff like that. Just like small, small things that lead to big disasters in, in mm. this book, I, I think is also a theme of the book uh but i actually wanted to talk talk about this is kind of the last thing that i want to okay mention here. i'd like one more question but that's it oh sure yeah 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 uh um the last thing that i want to mention is the scariest thing to me in this book i want okay. to know what this what the absolute scariest moment was for you in this book Good. This is uh, what I wanted to talk to. This is what I wanted to ask you. This perfect. is a weird thing for me to find the scariest part of the book. But 
it is one of the things that like feels the most chilling to me when I think back on it, even now, like a couple weeks later. It's towards the beginning of the book. It's after the hallways first appeared. And I think like Will has just walked from one end to the other in it and seen that it keeps going. And Karen's like, don't go back in there. So the family's just living with this big, dark, you know, ongoing hallway in their living room. Right. And I think this is after Will has snuck in and done his first exploration where he's just walking around in it for like maybe half an hour. Like he gets to the great hall and like turns around. Right. And later that and like he's sort of. You know, it's he's kind of ex- affected by the experience. He's like intrigued, but also kind of spooked off. And it's later that night and we're like he's going to spend some time with his family and he takes uh, they've got two kids. There's Chad and Daisy and Daisy's like five. Uh, and he picks up Daisy on his lap and he's like, I, I'm sorry, I've been so obsessed with this hallway lately, Daisy. We're going to spend some time playing together. And she's like, OK, I want to play. And he's like, what game do you want to play? And she says, I don't know. Always. And there's a footnote that says nobody's ever been clear what Daisy means when she says she wants to play always. This could right. just be sort of a, a childish turn of phrase. She does not know what she wants to play, but she does always want to play but there's also another interpretation that she is saying always as an echo of the word hallways as we just chapter five the it's page 73 that whole chapter uh just goes into this dissect like the etymology of the word echo and how sound works and all that stuff and it's it's early enough on in the book where i'm just like why are they doing this like what is going on here which the the book will then go on to be like what does the minotaur mean in greek mythology and you know all all that stuff but this was one of the first examples of that where they spend about 30 pages dissecting yep. what in echo means only to have the last two sentences of that chat chat chapter be the scariest shit in the whole book yes yes i'm glad you felt like this because like and i thought this was something that was going to come back like daisy was saying that because she had secretly been like sneaking been in into or, the hallways yeah. And like yelling and, you know, when an echo comes back to you, it's like the last couple syllables of what you've been saying. So if she, she yells always, it comes back as always like she's right. Oh, like I was thinking there was going you were going to find out that the kids were sneaking into the hallways and like not being captured on camera or whatever. And they were going to get lost in there or they were going to get deep enough in and come back and be changed, which never ends up happening. The kids don't go into those spaces. Other things happen mm-hmm. to the kids. You know, Chad's always running away and like climbing the tree and hiding in the tree. And but nothing, not what you think is going to happen to the kids happens to the kids ultimately. Right. But for that sentence, you are so chilled at this looming threat of what maybe has already happened and what could happen to these poor innocent children. Yeah. That. That was the most affecting horror bit to me. And it's such a small, slight thing. Just that little footnote of when she says always, that could be an echo of always. The, the last two sentences read, 
then again, always slightly mispronounces hallways. It also it also echoes it, and yeah, just like the the way it just like stops with that. Yes, like that's. That's haunting. That's chilling. And then they just, they never explore it again. And just the fact that they don't go back to that is also scary. Yeah. Of, of yeah. just like, there's this thing looming. What mm-hmm. is going on here? Um, yeah. I love all those mysteries that they introduce and that just never come back because, like, mm-hmm. the discussion around the movie has just hit a wall of we can't learn more about this. What does Daisy mean when she says always? What happened to the pets? What's the deal with this one shot being slightly different between the two releases of the Holloway tapes? We don't know. Like, we have to just exactly. stop because we can't go farther. I, so I, I, I lied. This is the actual last thing that I want to talk about. Okay. okay. Uh, the when Will th- is by himself in the thing he thinks he's dying he can't tell if he's falling or flying or floating or stuff like that yeah he's reading a book called house of leaves what what why how i meant i meant to google this to find if there is another book coincidentally also called house of leaves leaves. yeah and it's wild like he's got the he brought the book with him and he's running out of matches to read by. So he has to, like, Start light a match, pages. read the page. Ta- as soon as he's done reading the page, tear it off. Use that to keep the fire going so he can read the next page. Like, on a loop it's until he, like, reaches the last page and the last match. And then he is completely devoid of any light and any distraction and any other stimuli that is not just floating in the house. It's and just- then... This was a weird detail to include for me because I feel like that should have bigger implications on the story that this is a book about a book. It's just like the double mirror effect thing where like this book exists in his world, too. Uh, But it's. It's not just the fact that they don't go back to you find that detail much later on in in the book, Mm. but it's it's just not explored and it's not mentioned. It's just kind of offhandedly casually mentioned that, oh, yeah, he's raiding House of Laves. But more importantly, he can't figure out if he's falling or floating or all. Yeah. You know, it it just completely glosses over it. And I, I it, to, to, to me, because like that, it's not a scary detail. It's more just puzzling. Of like, what? yeah, like, why? Why was that the and, book he was reading? And then in, I think, the last uh, couple messages we have from Johnny, like it's a, there's like a chapter, like two or three chapters from the end is only Johnny. Right. Mm -hmm. He's not like noting on anything. It's just like his journal. And he leaves to go to Virginia to try and find the house. He can't. And he ends up sort of with this wandering vagabond life. And he's in a bar one night and the band starts like playing a song that goes like, I live at the end of a five and a half minute hallway. And Johnny's like, is this the proof I've been looking for? Does somebody else know the story of the Navidsons and their house? 
and he approaches the band after they're done playing the set and they're like oh we it's a reference to this like weird book we found like not even a book it's like a bunch of xerox pages stapled together we found it at a bus station here and they hand him this like the house of leaves like house of leaves as mark z daniel lewski originally presented it like before this was a book it was a bunch of xerox like crazy like disorganized notes that he would like leave around to puzzle people (laughs) so it takes this meta turn and you're not exactly sure what the ramifications of that are for the actual canon of the story and what it's supposed to represent exactly uh which kind of brings me to my next thing that i wanted to mention uh i was talking to someone about this book i mentioned that i read the 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 book and they were like oh i read that back in high school uh and they said they only knew about it uh because of a band called circus survive and i was like huh that's Mm. strange i'm familiar with them i've listened to a a bunch of their stuff uh and i was like did did they like have a song on one of their albums that i just like i didn't know it was in reference to this thing and they replied they named a hidden track off their first album with the same name it plays after a gap of silence in the last song meet me in montauk um, which is a song about the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Uh, hmm. And then she mentioned, yeah, it was just uh, lyrics that incorporate surreal imagery like that book and movie. The singer apparently did a lot of psychedelics back then. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just uh, I, I did not get a, ch- a chance to check out that song yet. but. Uh, yeah, just kind of a weird connection that there is this band in the book that's like, oh, yeah, we've heard of them. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And then you also yes. mentioned that there was some accompanying album by the. Yeah, which is actually sister. like noted on the back cover. And I saw this and I didn't like know what it was referring to. Uh, the musical artist, Ho, oh, yeah. who is uh, Mark Z. Danielewski's sister. She was working on an album while he was writing this book that's like influenced by the book. And I was reading something that said how the album kind of influenced the book back. Like there are these two familial companion pieces to each other. So, yeah, you can look up the Poe album Haunted. uh, And I listened to that this week. There are songs with names like Exploration and uh, Five Minute Hallway and things like that. Like Mm -hmm. Dear Johnny. I forget all of them right now. But there are House of Leaves references in it. And I think the final track is like a remix of one of the songs with Mark Z. Danielewski reading from House of Leaves. He's reading the section where interesting uh, Kyrie takes Johnny driving in her BMW. OK. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Yeah, there's there's a, a lot to explore in mm-hmm. in this book. Like we said, there's super duper small things that we could talk about for hours uh yeah with at this but uh this this was good this was an interesting read i I don't think i would have known about this uh book if it was not for you for introducing it to me 
Though to be honest, I I don't know. It it it's kind of a hard book to recommend. In old yeah, ways, because it is, it's so complicated. Yes, it's good. It is good, and I, I'm glad you liked it as somebody who I know doesn't read very many prose books. Some, yeah, not yeah. Not, not much. I, I think the last prose book I read was Fight Club. Yeah, I read that in like 2013. <laughs> yeah. I think there's enough aspects of this book that it could have something that pulls in all sorts of different people. Like if you want uh, just a, if you're a bookworm, you want just like a book that's not like any other book you've read before. If you want a horror story, if you're an academic and you want to see this fictionalized academic discussion, like I said, the the love story between Will and Karen uh, actually ends up being very sweet. Like that's one of the, yeah. the core elements of this book, the emotional thing it keeps returning to. If you want a weird, complicated, scary love story, you know, that's here for you, too. There you go. Uh, well, before we get into recommendations and stuff yeah. that we like to do at the end of here, let's check in on uh, Bingo. Yeah, we, like to, we 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 we've been playing a review show bingo with all sorts of movie and comic book tropes and stuff like that. Uh, this is a bit of an experiment. So we're trying to see how many bingos we can get on a single yeah. card by the end of the year. Uh, we're currently tied. Melissa has one and I have one as well. Mm. Uh, I am one away from getting a second one. That's it. Ooh, no death by electrocution. That's the one that I need. Uh, no, only I dismemberment need. by electrocution. That's how Billy loses his legs. <laughs> um. So, yeah, we 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 have a bunch of different tropes on our cards. I think the one that I could maybe put for this is ancient evil. But I don't feel like this is Ooh. the same. I, it's I, definitely it's, ancient. It's, de it's debatable, right? The house isn't yeah, necessarily like, evil. Yeah, I don't think I would call it evil either. Yeah. I have yeah. ghost, and there are no literal ghosts in this book, but uh, there are references made to ghosts. Like, there's a really interesting little story where Johnny talks about being in a boarding school when he's, you know, like in high school or whatever, and he's in like the, you know, the, the dining hall and he feels like he hears somebody's voice, like mention his name in his ear. And he thinks it's like a ghost of like his mom after he's after she's died, I think. And then it turns out he, he figures out it's a girl on the other end of the dining hall who through some like acoustic anomaly it's one of those magic spot things yeah 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 and then he's like i never found out who that was i was never able to track her down i just heard her like ghostly voice in my ear once there's references You're... to ghosts but there's no actual ghosts so i won't give that yeah. to myself i'll wait I, I i think i think those are the only two that i could have had oh well actually i think i do have one mm. actor who appears as themselves I was debating about this because we do have references to real people, but I never conceived of how this would 
work if we were not seeing or hearing an actual performance. I I get what you mean, right? Like this is not a visual performance mm-hmm. where uh Angelina jo- Jolie walks in and is like, "Hey guys, I'm Angelina Jolie." Uh but <laughs> yeah, this race. is it, it is fictional, so the, the these these people were not interviewed about this stuff they didn't actually say these things but they are characters in this book Mm -hmm. that that are referenced not main characters right but they are cameos like there there is stephen king there is stanley kubrick like i i i would be okay with putting that one in i feel like if you had found out that mark z danielewski sent some of this to king and King wrote his response like he would have if this had actually happened to him, then I would count it. I feel like because, like, the person because is not actually not there. Real. They are not involved, right? I don't, I wouldn't give that to myself. I don't think this really counts. Okay. You've convinced me. Okay. <laughs> I, think that, I, I, I think that makes sense the way you put it. Mm. Um. Yeah, I think it was a wash it. this week. Yeah, it was a wash. Womp womp. Oh well. Uh, but that is bingo. We'll be ch- checking in on that every single week as we read and watch new stuff. Mm-hmm. Melissa, let's get on to yep. recommendations. Yeah. Because if 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 people liked this, what else might they like? I already mentioned The Shining, which is a movie that is also rife with symbolism so many different ways you can interpret it and my favorite aspect of the shining has always been how the hotel spatially does not make sense i love when something spatially doesn't make sense and it's like a rare ingredient in horror stories so i like soak it up whenever i can get it so i would recommend that but also more specifically it wouldn't recommend necessarily the shining but people's interpretations of the shining like go to youtube look up theory videos watch the documentary room 237 which is just seven or so people presenting their theories on what they think the shining means and you never see them you only hear them there's like a title card with their name and it just plays their lecture over footage from the shining and footage from other movies that's like meant to represent the shining and there's discussion in there on spatial impossibilities there is discussion in there on mazes and minotaurs so there you go it's another interesting take on uh an academic discussion around a particularly mysterious piece of cinema that's the closest we've gotten in real life to the (laughs) the navidson record book Okay, okay. I would also recommend the comic The Enigma of Amigara Fault by Oh, what is what is this artist's name? Uh Enigma of Origami Fault uh, is what you said. Uh oh, it's by it's a short horror manga story by Junji Ito who created Spiral, I think. Yep, there's a, a short story called The Enigma. Yeah. And the Enigma of Amigara Fault, I, it's short enough that like, you can find like, just scans of it online to read through. It's not that long. And it's a story about a, like, a mountain 
somewhere in Japan, like a small mountain, like a little hill in this neighborhood. And one day somebody just finds on the cliff face a perfect outline of a human being that seems like it's been like punched into the wall, like carved into the cliff face. Like it just goes and goes and you can't see the end of it. And everybody's coming around to like gawk at this body shaped hole in the mountain. And one guy stares at it and he says, that's me. That's my shape. This hole was meant Mm. for me. And he like runs in and like fits his body into the hole. And then the hole starts like slowly sucking him in. (laughs) Like, yeah. And then more holes appear and more people crawl into those holes. And you see and they just go and go and go forever. Yeah. Junji Ito is great. Uh, I I would recommend I was a Maki as I as I had uh, said, and it is about the semiotics of a spiral, and it is about mm-hmm. this 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 t- t- town that gets obsessed with spirals and the symbolism and what they mean and all this stuff, and uh, the one of the like testimonials on the back of this book says mm. that this is a love story by a semiotician. Uh, yep. And yeah, it's just all the different meanings of this stuff of, of what a, what a house could be or what a spiral could be. So go check out mm. Zamaki. Did, did, did you have more that you wanted uh, to mention? Well, uh, uh, the audio drama Tannis has got some, uh, spatial impossibility to it. This is in the same family as the black tapes and mm-hmm. rabbits and fairy. Yeah, this is about uh, Nick Silver in, uh, who produces like a, a news. It's another a docudrama series, just like black investigative tapes. journalism. Yeah. Investigating thing. something yeah. paranormal and weird. And he's obsessed with this concept of. Um, a realm, perhaps a, a geographical just, just transformation concept called of t- Tannis. Tannis and yeah. what it is. Yeah, it's very when he starts the show, he's like, I don't even know what this is. I just think this is something. And it's a really abstract sort of free flowing investigation. They go into so many like nooks and crannies of like folklore and like weird mysteries over the past couple centuries. And one of the elements in it, I think you, you do get to this in season one, is a cabin in the Pacific Northwestern woods that is bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. And you I go into the cabin yeah. and you get lost. And you're like, how did I get lost inside of a cabin? There you go. Good stuff. Um, my recommendations besides what I just mentioned for Uzumaki. Um, Batman Court of Owls uh, is a... When Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo took over writing and artwork duties on the Batman title for DC Comics' New 52 initiative, uh, the Court of Owls was kind of the first story that they, they wrote uh there with that and it's one of their more famous uh sto- stories well 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 one of the more famous batman sto- sto- stories in the last like two decades to be honest yeah. um and it is about the idea that we kind of th- know that hey batman 
lives in Gotham, and that's basically his city. Like he he yeah. he runs the, the 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 streets there. But what if there was something else that actually ran Gotham? What if there was this hmm. secret society that has kind of always been there in the shadows? And Batman just hasn't noticed like they're that oh. good that 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 they that, that they've just they've kept things secret and stuff like that. And uh, of course, owls prey on bats. They are the natural predators. But in the story, Batman gets captured and put into this maze uh that oh. is underground uh there's no light it is pitch black and so batman is just ca- kind of wandering around in the darkness in this maze and every time he finds himself back in this one specific room they have a camera set up in this room so that when he enters it it flashes and it takes a picture of him and next t- oh. t- next t- time he go 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 goes back in the room the picture is on the wall and the more and more pictures get on the wall and he has this whole room filled with pictures of of him and he ends up being lost in this maze for like two weeks oh my god but it is so disorienting to him that in this book as you are reading the comic you turn the page and you're like huh that's strange okay the they're doing a page like this next page you have to flip the 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 the, the book right and then you eventually flip the book upside down and that's how you read the thing and that was the first time i experienced something like that where you physically had to like turn the book and turn the medium to understand it and it immediately disoriented me and was like, is this a mistake? Like, did they print this wrong? Is the page upside down? And then it immediately hit me. Like, no, Batman is disoriented. This thing just disoriented me. Like, they did this on purpose, uh, that this thing is upside down. I'm not sure how that would play in a digital copy. Oh, that's true doesn't have that but it's just it if you can find a physical version of of that book which which you guys can can get i would recommend that one um for the similarities of like physically manipulating this book and turning it uh and stuff like that and then we also mentioned control at the start i think that's a great recommendation if you like video games and you haven't played control yet go play this game it is wonderful and it is weird it's like like we mentioned it all takes place inside this one government building that only certain people can see uh and the space in inside they they say the space inside shifts around it doesn't actually but it is this idea that it is bigger on the inside than it is on the outside um there are places in this building uh that are like you don't know like 
why is this as large as it is? Like, this is physically impossible mm. that th- th- this shouldn't exist in the, in the space that the has is in. Um, and there's weird characters that hold that holds a partment of the government that they are exploring. They they it is they're kind of like the X Files. But what if the X Files yeah. was like a legitimate department where they are studying all of these sh- these strange anomalies? Um, there is a character that you meet in the game. Uh, well, there, there is this section of the game where they have these things that they call objects of power. Um, that they kind of have them uh, kind of displayed like a museum, but it's more of a jail cell of like, hey, we're keeping them in here so people don't get them. Uh, And there's one, you see a guy in the cell with this refrigerator, and you're like, huh, that's strange. Like a person's not supposed to be in there. And as you start getting closer, the guy won't turn to face you, but it's like, uh, hi, hi. Oh, is yeah. anyone out there? Uh, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, st- I'm stuck. I'm, I'm, uh, this object of power will, uh, you have to continually look at it um, or it will explode. Uh, I'm, I'm only the janitor. I accidentally looked at this thing. So now I have to keep looking at this thing. Can anyone save me? Uh, and, well, and so, yeah, so you have to, like, figure out a way to sa- sa- save him and, and and stuff like that. It's just a, a small, small thing that you do in, in that game. But there's just these weird things that happen in that game that uh, remind me of just the, like, physical impossibility of the mm-hmm. house here in House of Thieves. So those are my recommendations. Go check those things out. There you go. This has been a long one. It has, Alyssa. The, we, we've there's there's a lot to talk, 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 talk about with this book and stuff like that. But uh, we are at the end of the podcast. Thank you all for checking this out, Melissa. Where can they find you on the internet? Oh, do we want to mention what we're doing next week? We probably should. <laughs> <laughs> Next week is a uh, a special episode spun off of a discussion we had on the captain's log when the week's Kyle was on vacation. It was me and Ignacio and Alan from Crossplay, yeah. and they got into a big debate about the Digimon movie. Melissa, let me t- <laughs> tell you that this is not the first t- t- time okay. they have debated that. <laughs> it was the first time I was exposed to this because I'm not regularly on this Crossplay. This is an ongoing discussion. <laughs> And they wanted an episode of the review show where we would uh, they would come on and we would watch the Digimon movie, you know, which was released here in America in like 2000 or 2001. And also watch the original Japanese, uh, like I think it was like some TV specials, some short films, etc. The original Japanese content that the American Digimon movie was edited and dubbed out of. So this yes. is... <laughs> And Ignacio is very pro the original Japanese source content. And Alan's like, come on, the Digimon movie is fun, though. And Ignacio's like, it's not supposed to be fun. Football so, is no uh, get, fun, sir. Get ready for two hours of that next week. They'll, they'll go off. Yeah, uh, so that's what we're doing. It's a little bit complicated to be like, go watch this one thing. 
Uh, so we will have links uh, in mm. in that one if you want to follow along at home. Uh, we when we post the thing, we will have the link so you guys can go watch that and then come back or something like that. Um, but yeah, go go at, at least go watch the first Digimon movie. Um, and uh, yeah, that's what we will be up to this next week. Uh, but yeah, after that, I should say that, uh, it will be September, uh, and last year we started Shame-tember, uh, where Melissa and I will each take a week to pitch things that are, that that is on our list of shame, things that we Mm. have not seen or read or stuff like that, that is, uh, it could be like a major pop culture thing that just like, how have you not seen that? Everyone has seen Mm. this. Or it can be more specific to you of just like, Melissa, this movie is you. Why have you not yeah. seen this movie? Um, so we will each t- take a week to pitch all of that stuff. So be looking mm-hmm. forward to that uh, yeah. this next month. Uh, we should also say what our next uh, end yeah. of the month special should be. I Look, I, I just com- completely forgot about all of the stuff because we were so into <laughs> House yeah. of leaves here that I'm just like, whoo, we made it. We're done. We made it out. <laughs> um, but uh yeah, so the next three months, uh here at the end of each each m- m- month, we are going to be watching the show The Leftovers. Uh, which I'm really excited to t- talk about. Melissa, I don't think you've seen it as well. Have you seen no, any of it? I've Okay. I've never seen it. All I know about it is that I think it was co-created by Damon Lindelof, who worked on Lost, and it's about a a vanishing of people. And yes. <laughs> about a life continues after. I don't even know how many people vanish. I just know some people vanish. And I all I know about it, I've heard there's one joke where in like season one or two, like somebody there's says one early joke on an entire series. They joke about how half, like, almost everybody from the sitcom Perfect Strangers vanished. And then in, like, season three, the one remaining actor from Perfect Strangers is there as himself. Like, yeah, you think I'm not totally freaked out that all those people I worked with have just vanished? I don't know how to live anymore. That's funny. So we know in the future we'll get to cross off actors themselves. There we go. Yeah. So. That is what we will be covering for the mm. next couple months uh, on our end of the year special. And that will t- t- take us through the end of the year because we don't do one in December since we take those last two yeah. weeks off of the year. But uh, yeah, be looking forward to watching the three seasons of The Leftovers. I believe it's available on HBO Max. Guys, yes. once you start watching that. So next month will be season one of The Leftovers. Um, and yeah. Next week, Digimon, the movie. We go from House of Leaves to Digimon. Great content here. Yeah, great content here at the review show. Uh, I'm excited for all of that stuff. But Melissa, where Mm. can they find you on the internet in the meantime? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at WilkyWit. That's W-I-L-K-Y-W-I-T. And listen to my other podcast, Saturday Morning Obscurities, where me and my brother Jams talk about weird old kids shows you feel like only you remember. Oh, 
Uh, if you guys want to stay up to date with me, I'm at Yo Kyle Springer on Twitter. And if you guys want to follow all of the stuff that we do here at The Whatnots, which is quite a bit, you guys can follow us <laughs> on Twitter at The Whatnots. So go like, share, subscribe. You guys know the deal with all of that stuff. Uh, but this is it for number, I don't remember what number it is, 172, I, I believe. You heard it at the beginning. You don't need to hear yeah, it again. It, it got eaten by the ha, 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 Right, house. house took it. No more numbers. Uh, yeah, this is it for this week. We will be back next week. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. <laughs>